Hyrium Church. Do I have any disciples of Christ in the house? Yeah. Hope you guys are with me, okay? Amen. Let's turn up Bible to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians chapter 3. The title of the sermon today is The Godly Mentality. The Godly Mentality. Now, before we get into the content, I, of course, first want to welcome the, the guys from London. I just want to give you guys a round of applause. You know, guys, we're a worldwide movement. The same thing that's preached here in Birmingham is preached in London. The same thing that's preached in Birmingham is preached in Paris, Amsterdam, Stockholm, and all over the globe. And we're going to go to Berlin by the end of this year, amen? The godly mentality. The godly mentality. You know, your mindset is a set of beliefs that shape how you make sense of the world and yourself. It influences how you think, feel, and behave in any given situation. It means that what you believe about yourself impacts your success and your failures. You know, according to Stanford psychologist Carol Dweck, your beliefs play a pivotal role in what you want and whether you achieve it. Dweck has found that it is your mindset that plays a significant role in determining achievement and success. Mindsets can influence how people behave in a wide range of situations in life. For example, as people encounter different situations, their mind triggers a specific mindset that then directly impacts their behavior in that situation. Dare we say, in other words, it's all about how you respond. You know, according to Dweck, there are two basic mindsets, fixed and growth. <laughs> fixed and growth. You know, a fixed mindset believes that one's abilities are fixed traits and therefore cannot be changed. That talent and intelligence alone lead to success and effort is not required. And being part of the millennial generation, I believe that we have a fixed mindset. If I were to keep it kind of real with you guys, millennial, is that it's laziness. You know, these websites make us out so posh. But us millennials were lazy. I believe the biggest curse of today's generation is laziness. Because how does a fixed mindset respond? Either I'm good at it or I'm not. In other words, that's just who I am. I can't change it. Another one is if you have to work hard, you don't have the ability. Wow. A common phrase today, I, if I don't try, then I won't fail. Mm. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Or that job position is totally out of my league. That's a fixed mindset. But on the flip side, you've got growth mindset. Hey. A growth mindset believes that talents and abilities can be developed over time through effort and persistence. People with this mindset don't necessarily believe that everyone can become Einstein or Mozart, but just because they try. They do, however, believe that everyone can get smarter or more talented by just working at it. You know, one man who was well known for this mentality was that of Kobe Bryant. Yeah. He coined the phrase, the Mamba mentality. What's, what, what, what is the Mamba? If you guys don't even know what, who Kobe Bryant is, he's a basketball player, man. 
You know, he coined this mama mentality. The meaning of mama mentality means whether it be playoff run or a training season, Kobe always put an infinite amount of effort. That's the mama mentality. He once said this, if you see me in a fight with a bear, pray for the bear. <laughs> he was fearless and went all out. He didn't leave anything to chance and was committed to preparing more than anyone else. The world says only a few people can consistently match the intensity Kobe demonstrated. But I tell you the truth. Kobe wasn't the one who coined this mentality. The only man who is fearless and went all out and the only man fearless enough to even conquer death. The only man standing was that of Jesus Christ. Muhammad couldn't do it. Buddha couldn't do it. Confucius couldn't do it. Scientists can't figure it out. Jeff Bezos, I read an article the other day, other, other day. if you guys look on your phones, on, on the news. This guy, Jeff Bezos, the ex-CEO of Amazon, is trying to figure out how to be immortal. <laughs> All that money! Investing in a company, finding out how he's going to be immortal. Except the only solution by going to the one who's already done it. And we know he's going to fail. Everyone's going to die. But Jesus was the only one who truly had the growth mentality. Dare we say he had this mentality even before Mamba mentality was even coined. About to be stoned, he walked right through. About to be killed, he slipped right away. He looked death right in the face and rose again. He had the godly mentality. I want to persuade you today that you're here today because your fixed mentality is not working. Whether you've been here for a while or here for the very first time, I want to persuade you that having a godly mentality is the only mentality where defeat is not an option. Because having a godly mentality knows that you don't die. You just trade places. And that's the title of the sermon today. The godly mentality. Point number one. You can do anything you set your mind to. Ephesians chapter 3. Now I want to paint a picture for you guys. Ephesians is a letter of encouragement written in 53 AD whilst Paul was arrested in Rome. And Paul still stayed in contact with the disciples despite the circumstances. He's like, hey, I'm in jail, but I'm going to still make every effort to stay in contact with disciples. Despite the fact that I'm isolated, I'm still going to message and be in contact with disciples. Isolation persuaded him all the more to stay in contact with disciples. And he writes as he goes into this verse of scripture concerning the power of the gospel and unity that he has brought between the Jews and the Gentiles. I hope you guys are with me. Ephesians chapter 3 from verse 20. It says, now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power. That is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. And the church says. Now this passage of scripture describes the vast power of God and what he's able to do. To God, many things are light work. Yeah, yeah. 
You know, I looked into the amplified version of the scripture. It said this. Now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly, more than all we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. According to scripture, he, this scripture says that he can do immeasurably more than even your biggest prayers. Do you think your prayer is big? No, it's not. That's light work to God. You think you're screaming out, crying out to God, crying out tears? He's like, that's light work. Turning water to wine? Light work. Walking on water? Light work. Raising from the dead? Light work. Healing you from your past? Light work. Overcoming bitterness? Light work. All nations being baptized in Birmingham? Light work. Baptizing weekly and getting to 100 Sora disciples in Birmingham? Light work. Getting to all ends of Europe? Light work. Coming down in the form of a human? Light work. God doesn't make sense to us. His power is unimaginable. People try to question, if God is God, how can he come in the form of a human and be the father at the same time? He doesn't make sense. (laughs) Because just in the verses before, what do we see? In verse 17, it says, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, and I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know that this love surpasses knowledge. His love doesn't even make sense. We live in a time where so many gods and religions tell us how to go up. Well, I'll tell you the truth. This is the only God who came down. The God of Christianity came down and washed his people's feet. He came down so that we could go up. He came to serve. How about you? Do you come to serve? Or do you feel like you deserve to be served? You do realize that selfless love, like Jesus, didn't exist before Jesus? So no one knew what unconditional love was until Jesus. So when we're in relationships today saying, hey, I love me unconditionally, you can't know how to love unconditionally without Jesus. Someone willing to die for people who hated him? I don't know anyone else who's willing to do that. And if you think you can, you're a liar. How would a rich person feel if you asked them for 10 pounds? Insulted. You know, if all that God does is light work, why ask for 10 pound prayers? We serve a God outside time, space, and matter. He can help you overcome your criticism, your atheism, or just your love for sin, in other words. Because the Bible says that there is no such thing as an atheist. You're just morally deficient. You just love your sin too much. You justify it by saying there is no God. 
Let's focus in on verse 20, amen? It says in verse 20, Now to him who is able to do. The meaning of able in the Greek means of a state of mind. So God is able to do all of these immeasurable things because he has this state of mind. How is your mindset? Meaning of mindset means the established set of attitudes held by someone. Meaning of attitude means a settled way of thinking or feeling about something. It means settled. Reach, reaching a resolve or agreement about something. So in God's mindset, he's immovable. He's unshaken. God can do anything he sets his mind to. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 15 verse 29, he says, He who is the glory of Israel does not lie or change his mind, for he is not a human being that he should change his mind. God isn't indecisive. Yeah. He isn't on the fence. Dare we say purgatory. Purgatory doesn't exist in the Bible. He knows what he's doing. But the question is, do you trust God to know what he's doing? That he's sent people in your life to make a decision. Not to become more indecisive. He sent people in your life to make a decision, not to become, oh, hey, I don't know what I'm doing. The meaning of indecisive means not providing a clear or de definitive result. We all have that one friend who's indecisive, right? Yeah. You know, they can't pick a movie. They can't pick what to eat. They can't pick what to wear. They can't stick to their schedule. You know, I had to ask myself the question, you know, why are sailors... So indecisive. Tell us, bro. Because they're always far from shore. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know if the sisters can relate, but you put a whole outfit together one morning, but once you put it together, it just doesn't go. You know, one statistic said this, women's outfits choices are based on their personal emotions. While men tend to choose outfits according to how people view them. New research finds. You know, a global study of 12,000 people has revealed that women choose the clothes they wear depending on how they make them feel. Yeah. And on regular weekday mornings, most women try on at least two outfits before deciding what to wear for work. I don't know if that's true, sisters, but amen. You can kind of correct me on that. But, but, but what's the silver? What, what, what's the point? What's the point? We live in a time where people don't know what they want. Yeah. It's too cold. Oh, the weather. Oh, Birmingham is always raining. Oh, why can't it just be sunny when it's sunny? Ah, oh, it's too hot. Oh, my gosh. Why is there no AC? Just can't make a decision. And it's so funny because in that time of indecision, you've already made a decision to be indecisive. You know, it said that it takes five seconds to make a decision. And if you haven't made a decision, you've already made a decision not to do anything. The point is, you really do know what you want. You're just enjoying your sin for longer. But according to the scripture, God knows what he wants. What God sets his mind to, he does it. Question is, what do you set your mind to? If you knew that anything you set your mind to, you could actually do, what would you then do? What could you have achieved? What books could you have written? What people would you see baptized? I want to give a little task right now. Just quickly, just 30 seconds. Write down on your, on your phone or on a notepad, 
What if you knew that you could do anything that you set your mind to without bounds, what would you do? What would you do? Take a moment. What would you do? You know, for me, if, if I, it would be me, I'd learn the bass. The bass guitar. Yeah. Bass guitar's kind of cool. So that's, that's me. Okay, you guys had enough time? Yeah. Now the question is, why haven't you done it? Okay, amen. Somewhere. Amen. I believe Frank's a man of faith, so he can do anything right there. But now the question, but 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 this is the thing. God set his mind to even creating the world, and he did it. Now we're not God, so we can't create something out of nothing, amen. But we can create. The godly mentality makes things happen. That, with this mindset, anything you set your mind to, it can happen. How do we know it's a godly thing? You know how artists leave their signature on every piece of artwork they have? God has left his signature on you. It's called your DNA. They entitle it God's signature. In every cell of the human body, you have deoxybronucleic acid. You have four nucleic acids binds. Let me read this again because it's big words for me. Four nuclide acids bind the helixes together by sulfuric bridges in the sequence of ATCG. Every 10565 acids. Now, if you know the Bible's originally written in Hebrew, every letter is connected to a number. And 10565, imprinted in your DNA, correlates to the Hebrew letters YHVH. The bridge bond glue that keeps your human DNA sequenced together. What is YHVH? Yahweh. So Yahweh's already written on your DNA. He's left a signature on your DNA. You want scientific proof? You are that proof. God did you. You really have the capability to have this godly mindset. It's built within you. For those looking for evidence, you just got it. Possibly the reason why you haven't done what you have written down is because you don't put the first things first. And that links to the second point. First things first. Turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. The godly mindset. The godly mindset. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Possibly the reason why you haven't done what you've written down is because you don't put first things first. You know, growing up, before rewarding me with anything, my mom would say, first things first. You know, before I wanted to use the computer, the only one computer we had, the HP, that would take ages to, to start up. Unless you just watch the machine just go green and just watch it for ages. And I had talk, talk broadband. I'm not trying to say anything about talk, talk, but okay. It was below one MBP. So uh, that, was, that, was, that, was, that, was, that was a struggle. And it was in London, so. Uh. But I wanted to use the computer, but my mom would say, first things first. Before I wanted to play miniclip April Paul, she would say, first things first. Before I could go to Asda and buy that DVD, some kids will never know about DVDs. Now because it's Netflix and Disney Plus, she would always say, first things first. Before I could watch TV, 
You know, I had Asian parents, she only said, watch TV for only one hour. Yeah. So I literally had to just sit down with a stick up my back, just saying, make sure I watch this for one hour. And she really should come in the room checking if it's one hour. You know, I'd be so specific that if I started at 5.01, I would finish at 6.01. Wow. I'm like, mom, there's only one minute. She said, the news is at six. No, I'm like, there's one more minute. Even if I were just to watch advertisements. Wow. <laughs> you know, first things first. Top priority. Of great significance or value. Indispensable or fundamental. You know, what you put first and what you prioritize is what you value. You know, I valued that TV time. I valued it. I was like, I was, because I have a twin sister. I was speaking to my sister. I was like, hey, we're going to watch specifically at 4 p.m. because that's where the best shows are on CBBC. <laughs> we cannot watch, if we get home from school 30 minutes early, we're not watching the TV. We valued that one hour time. You know, what I put my time into was my priority. I was willing to do anything to watch that TV. You know, dare, you, dare we say that what you invest in is what you prioritize? Yeah. Question is, what are your priorities? You know, there's a phrase, put your money where your mouth is. It means to take some action in order to do or support something that one has been talking about. What you talk about is what you prioritize. It's what you put first. Do you back up what you say with action? Or are you just all talk? You know, some may claim to have this godly mentality, but still struggle with porn. Do you still claim to have a godly mentality, but you still struggle with sharing your faith? Making disciples of all nations. You know, one author stated this. What matters more than the length of time you put into a thing is actually the intensity of focus. Because if you have an intensity of focus, you can actually reduce the amount of time spent doing it to get the same or better results. The root of putting things first, first things first, is actually focus. Question is, what is your focus? Second Corinthians chapter 11, I hope you guys are with me. It says in verse 3, But I'm afraid that just as Eve was deceived, by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. So according to this scripture, most of you guys know the story of Adam and Eve. According to this scripture, the very reason why Eve ate from the tree was because she was distracted. She wasn't focused. She didn't put first things first. She wasn't seeking God first. Or with all of her. Heart. In today's day and age, we have so many reasons to get distracted. The top distraction of today is social media. Yeah, 100%. You know, the enemy of productivity is distraction. You know, what kept Eve being productive in her relationship with God was distractions. Wow. It is said on average, on average, it takes about 25 minutes to fully refocus after a distraction. That's why you find it so hard. You hear one noise. That's why there's libraries. You hear one noise, you're put off for 25 minutes. To recalibrate, you have to take 25 minutes to recalibrate. Distractions cost the US economy more than $650 billion each year. Wow. That things that could have get done in five hours time, people get it done for longer because they keep getting distracted. You know, distractions turn the quickest tasks into lengthy ones. Distractions delay everything. Imagine if Jesus got distracted by his thoughts. Wow. He may have not made it to the cross. He would have been too busy overthinking. Especially we're in Europe, the biggest sin in Europe is overthinking. Question is, how is your thought life? Would your thought life convict you a Christian? Wow. When your thoughts go south, do you set your thoughts captive 
Or are you held captive by your thoughts? Preach! The Bible says in Proverbs 23 verse 7, the KJV version, For as he thinketh in his heart, so is he. Whatever you think is who you are. A quote by Brian Tracy said, You are not what you think you are, but what you think you are. What would your thoughts actually say about you? If you place all your 35,000 thoughts per day on a, on a platter, what would your thoughts actually say about you? Would people actually want to be friends with you? With your thought life alone? Would they want to be friends with you? Do you have the same mindset as Jesus? Would Jesus think what you're thinking? The one minute being distracted is a loss of a minute given to saving someone's soul. Are we focused, church? Are we focused on getting these souls saved? Are we focused on the godly mentality? Luke chapter 12. Hope you guys are still with me. Luke chapter 12. It says this in verse 34. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Question is, what do you treasure? Do you treasure souls? Do you treasure seeing the world evangelized? Do you treasure seeing all nations being saved? If not, then you're clearly, like Eve, distracted. And you're in fellowship with the devil. Question, do you fellowship more with Satan than you do with disciples? Because you fellowship with Satan when you're distracted. Distractions are a form of escapism when you numb out. So when you numb out, biblically, you're talking to Satan. Is Satan your best friend of all time? Does Satan know more about you than disciples? Now, amen, he's a spiritual being. He's studying you out, amen. But last time I checked that Satan befriended someone in the Bible, it started with a denomination in the garden. How do we know this? When, God, when, when Satan went to Eve and he said, and said the Lord God had created the serpent, he then asked to Eve, did God, what did he remove? The word Lord. The word Lord means to exist. So what did he, when he spoke to Eve, he removed the existence of God. Yeah. Dare we say this was the first denomination in the Bible? When you numb out, are you trying to create your own branch of Christianity? A part-time Christian? A part-time Christian isn't biblical. The Bible isn't subjected to those in the full-time ministry. The Bible is still alive and active. It's applicable to anyone today. Being distracted can cost you your salvation. Being distracted costs you your integrity. Being distracted costs you your purity. As stated earlier, you invest in your priorities. So you invest in being distracted. People pay to be distracted. People pay to actually speak to the devil. They're literally open to giving. They're literally, this is Satanism. People think it's just going around a fire and, 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 and sacrificing. No. Giving to these things rather than worshiping God is Satanism. How much more could have been done if you didn't get distracted? Do you go into the mornings want to protect your quiet times from distractions? Because we believe in protections. We have, we have passwords. We, we, come, we come up with the most complicated password sometimes. Capital, small letter, capital, small letter, 5,000 5, letters, exclamation mark. But how come when it comes to our relationship with God, it's easily compromised? 
We passed the word instead of putting a password on our quiet times. How many more people would be saved if we just weren't distracted? Jesus had three years in his ministry and had no time to waste. If you apply what you've done so far as a disciple, could you say in three years was enough? What would you have been known for? How many people would have been saved? There's too many of us in this church for no miracles. It's clear we're being distracted. The challenge is simple. Put first things first. Protect your mornings with God at all costs. That will help you have that godly mentality. Don't start a new task until you finish the previous one. Never leave the house without having time with God. Distractions can be a way of escape, but the only way we should escape is that of the one that God provided us the way out. That's the only way of escapism. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, he provides a way out. That's the only form of escapism that's biblical. He said he provides a way out. So if he didn't provide that way out, you're inventing your own way out. You're inventing your own back door. And you're inventing your own way of a godly mindset. Let's go, bro. Point number three, take no days off. Acts chapter 13. Acts chapter 13. Hope you guys are still with me. We're bringing it for a close. Acts chapter 13. Acts 13. It says this in verse 36. Point number three, take no days off. Now when David had served God's purpose in his own generation, he fell asleep. He was buried with his ancestors and his body decayed. And the church says, so according to the scripture, when David had finally served his purpose, He died. According to the scripture, you're still alive today because God is not done with you. You can still be used. You can still change. David took no days off. He took every single opportunity to glorify God. What we we do on earth is rehearsal for the eternal. Because why? There's no days off in heaven. And neither in hell. There's no days off. You're either going to be worshipping God all the days of your life in heaven, or you're going to be burning for eternity all the days of your life in hell. (laughs) Philippians 1. Philippians chapter 1. There's one man who never wasted time, who took no days off. That was Paul the Apostle. In Philippians 1.21, he says this. He says, for to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul said whether he lives or dies, he can't lose. Because he's in a relationship with God. He's already got this godly mindset. Having a godly mindset, remember at the very beginning, no fear. You don't fear death. You're confident enough when you die, you know you're going to heaven. The challenge is simple. Live every day glorifying God like it's your last. Like it's your last prayer, your last quiet time, your last opportunity to share your faith, your last time to preach, your last time to seek and save the lost, your last time to work hard, your last time to be excellent where you don't have to wait for Sunday church to play church. You give every day, you give your whole heart to worshiping God, that the song team or the worship team don't have to just practice on Sunday mornings to rehearse for church. You practice every day, why? Because you bring your worship to the worship. You bring your worship to the service. That's basically what it is, being full-time Christian. 
being a full-time godly man or woman of God, no days off. Because you know one, you know one day, you'll be certainly right about your death. You gotta live every day like a shalos because one day you'll certainly must be right. In closing, I bring before you to make a decision. Only you, only you can decide to change your mind. We can't do anything to change your mind. You change your mind. You can either have, you can either leave this room today having the same fixed mindset and have the same pain of staying the same or decide today to have a godly mindset. That way you can do anything you set your mind to, putting first things first and taking no days off. For those visiting for the first time, study the Bible. Find out how to obtain what's already been embedded in your DNA, a godly mentality. I love you and to God be all the glory.